Welcome to Substack and my show, Die First, Then Quit. And of course, that's an old Navy SEAL slogan. And I apply it to me because what it means to me is simple. I'm going to keep talking and the only thing that's going to shut me up is when I die. That's when I'll quit. Until that happens, I will keep opening my mouth and keep talking. And when I see hypocrisy, I'm going to call it. We're being joined today by Governor Tim Waltz, the current governor of the state of Minnesota, two or three governors after me. Uh, Tim is seeking his second term as governor after a very brutal first term, I'll say, a man who had to contend with the COVID epidemic that hit our nation which had to make it extremely difficult. I don't envy the position Tim was in having to deal with that, but let me state this before I talk to the governor. I want people to understand clearly that a in a position of governor, your main job, the number one focus of any governor is public safety. That is A number one, and I had a friend of mine tell me it's not only number one, it's two and three also. So if you look at one, two, and three, the top three things a governor should be looking at is the public safety, and that's where Governor Waltz was challenged. Let's, let's get to the COVID thing a little, Tim. You took a lot of heat over wearing a mask, over mask mandates. I found that so trivial and so juvenile of people because early in my wrestling career, I wrestled in Japan and I remember going to Tokyo. This was back in the 80s. And I'd see people in Japan walking in downtown with masks on. And I was, you know, a bit puzzled. So I inquired, why do the citizens wear masks in downtown Tokyo? And they told me it's a culture thing, that if you feel yourself coming down with a cold or a sore throat or something of that nature, you put a mask on so you don't infect your neighbor. It's called common courtesy to your fellow man. And yet putting a mask on here, it was, you could have told people were going to pull your wisdom teeth. And I think they would have accepted that first. I couldn't understand, Tim, what was your feelings on so much feedback and kickback of anti-mask. Yeah. Well, first of all, Governor, thanks for having me on. Thanks for speaking out. Um, means a lot to me to to hear you talk about this because you've been in the job. There's only a handful of us alive that that did it in Minnesota. I have to tell you on this, Jesse. I it, it did surprise me because we're a state that is, of course, home to the Mayo Clinic. We're state, you know, we we rank near the top in in health outcomes and and all of that. We listen to these people. We believe in science and. I would have never believed that would have become more so politicized because you're right. You know, the vaccine issue, I mean, that's kind of an extension of that, but masks, especially, especially when we started understanding the impact that would have, you know, I truly think at the national level, and if some of our leaders would have, you know, not, not decided to make it political, I think most Minnesotans do care about their neighbors. You know, they'll, you've done it. You've been out there sure. and neighbors sidewalk. If they weren't around, you carried out the garbage, those types of things. I think it kind of went against our nature. And, you know, I, I had that statement where somebody was asking me about the mask and I said, look, just wear the thing so that you're alive to be able to vote against me come the election. I just, <laughs> I just well, want you to stay safe. There was no political, there was no political upside to asking people to do this, but it was the right medical advice. You, you know what got me? I, I did a talk show on it and I was getting hit hard and I had people calling up telling me masks don't work. 
And I right away, I said, really? I said, then let me challenge you this way. I said, then you're telling me my mom lied to me. Mm. And that caught him right away when I said that. My mom lied to me. I said, my mother was the head nurse in anesthesia and surgery at North Memorial Hospital in the Twin Cities for over 20 years. She was also a World War II veteran and served in North Africa prior to Normandy in the, you know, the United States Army as a nurse. And I remember as a child, I walked into my mom at work one day and she had just come out of surgery. She still had a mask on. And I said to her the simplistic thing that children do. I said, mom, how come you got to wear that mask? And she spoke to me. I was a kid, probably seven, eight years old. So she spoke to me at my level. And she said, well, it stops germs. As simple as that. Now, I, I said on this radio show, I said, so you're telling me my mom lied to me and I should believe you people? I don't, I'm not accepting that. I believe my mom and I don't believe you. It was a cultural shock for people. This is where leadership, you have to stand up. Again, this whole idea that there was some type of political advantage to asking people to do this. I've said this, Jesse, you know, uh, my pro tip of the day for politics is telling people to wear a mask and not join with their family on Thanksgiving is not a winning, you know, ticket to get elected if that's all you care about. But it was the right decision to keep people alive and to keep families safe. You know, my mom's still alive, 88 years old. Yep. Um, I did not want people around her without a mask. I did not want people around her who who might spread it to her. And I think that whole piece of this, but you're right about, and your mom's story is a great one. Can you imagine these people going in for surgery and watching their physicians come in unmasked? Oh, I've told them that. Tim, I said that to him. I said, if masks don't work, I said, the next time you have to have surgery, tell the doctors and nurses they don't have to wear them. They don't work. See what kind of response you'll get at the hospital when you say that. Well, when politics trumps science, politics trumps medicine, and you know this too, it's good to talk to somebody who's done the job. Um, we don't have all the answers. You're not hiring someone for this job to know all the answers. You're hiring them to ask the right questions and then have the people around who can answer it. And I talked about you and I had the privilege of both working with Jan Malcolm over at the Minnesota Department of Health. Yep. She's nationwide respected. I mean, when when she served with you, she was she had a reputation that she continued to build. And those are the people I'm listening to. They're listening to the Mayo Clinic. They're listening to the epidemiologists. And it's just it's just good science. You're up for reelection now. And yeah. of course, I've I've endorsed you. I want you reelected in Minnesota. And uh I, I find it very interesting, the whole Republican concept of what they're driving home and the fact that they're using law and order yeah. as one of their mainstay positions. Apparently, you Democrats, uh, you don't like law and order, according to them, and you guys uh, have, you know, everything unjust and craziness is running rampant in the country. And I find that so hypocritical how a party can talk to the term law and order and not acknowledge what they did on January 6th. Yeah, amen. Amen. How, how, I, I'm just dumbfounded over that. How can they sit with a straight face and say we need law and order when they won't even acknowledge the horrible behavior that the Republicans showed before, during, and now after? 
January 6th. You know, I had the privilege of serving in Congress. Those Capitol Police officers were my friends. You know, we played flag football together. You know, we did softball games. Those are people who worked in that building, people who were there. And 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 to be attacked and and hit with flags, threatened, you know, and listening to that testimony, it's stunning. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Governor, and again, I'm truly grateful for your endorsement. Uh, my opponent just received Donald Trump's endorsement. And so uh, I, I think the contrast is pretty clear here. Who's willing to call an insurrection an insurrection? Who's willing to respect the, the will of voters? You and I both stood in front of the voters. If they don't vote for me, I respect them. That's the way it goes. But yeah. this party's not that way. What I can't understand is how literally half the country has fallen. And I'm going to call it what it is. I, I think the Republican Party, at least a great portion of the Republican Party today, is a cult. They, they to me, are no worse. They're, they're right there with Jim Jones and Jonestown. I mean, I'll say that. If Donald Trump told them to drink the Kool-Aid, there's a great many of them who would do it. I just don't understand it because, you know, the Republican Party, great contributions to our country. And I said, I've worked, and you have too, I've worked with many of them over the years, you know, from fiscal, they're the party of the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, for goodness sakes. That was Richard Nixon. For all of Nixon's faults, he was at least leaning into the environmental stewardship. Now I can't get them to, you know, admit simple things as the automobile industry moves to, you know, plug-ins. We should build the infrastructure to allow for that to be able to go. It, it, it's just smart stuff. We didn't hang on to buggy whips. And speaking of that, now I'm going to get you, Governor. <laughs> oh, you hit, you hit one that got me. In fact, I even spoke in front of 10 of your senators at the Tesla place. Oh, yeah. Because they were getting brought through on a, on a, 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 you know, a, a tour. And the Tesla people told me, hey, there's 10 senators back there. You want to talk to them? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> I went back there, and here's why I went back there. I was outraged, and I, I commanded the floor, like you know I can. <laughs> and, and I, I told them, how dare you penalize us people who are trying to do things right in Minnesota? Yes. And yes. what I'm talking about is this. Why do we get hit with an $85 surcharge on our license tabs for buying electric cars and doing the right thing. And because we're not buying fossil fuel, we have to pay 85 bucks extra to support the fossil fuel industry. It seems to me hypocritical on one hand when we're trying to switch over to clean energy. And on the other hand, you penalize the people who are trying to do it. Yes, we should be incentivizing. And Minnesota's moved to clean cars. You know this to be true. The, the manufacturers are going that way. GM's all there by 35. Well, they're only selling in states that are making this move. So Minnesotans' chance to participate in the free market of buying the car they want is limited. It, it keeps prices a little higher. So by moving towards this, and I say this to you, you're a well-known car guy. I love cars too. Internal combustion engines, I've had them, obviously. But this is the future. This is where things are moving. and. These vehicles are, are amazing. Governor, I got rid of two Porsches. I've been a Porsche man my whole life. I've owned five of them. I got rid well, of- Well, that 911 did you? Yes. Oh. I got rid of my twin turbo. I got rid of my Boxster. I got the Plaid S Tesla. I thought I would miss my Porsches. I don't miss them one bit because number one, the Tesla can beat it. Any Porsche, it can beat it. My, You know how fast my Tesla is, Governor? 
It's amazing. Zero to 60 and 199. <laughs> yeah, that twin turbo couldn't get you there. It's a rocket ship. Yeah. You know, we're trying to do this charging. You'd appreciate this, Jesse. There's there's a pilot project, and we want to get one of these, where you know how your phone, you can just lay on the charger without plugging it in, it charges. Yep. There's roads that do that now. As you're driving to charge your battery, as you're sitting on the road or idling. Hey, let's move ahead to politically. How's yeah. your race looking right now? Yeah, I think solid. Um, you know, we've had to make some hard decisions over these years, but uh, it's a tough political environment. You know how these midterms go. There's a pushback. Um, you know, my opponent seems to believe that we are solely responsible for global inflation. <laughs> yeah, I, I only laugh at that, Tim, because, you know, how does a governor control global inflation? You don't. You control the state budget. And we've lowered taxes, you know, followed on that, tried yep. to make it more affordable for folks, invested in our public schools. Um, but I think, you know, I think we'll win this thing. But right now it's just this, uh, you know, pointing out problems without offering solutions. You know, Teddy Roosevelt said that's just whining. Um, and, and leadership, you're not always going to get it right. But I think making these calls, Minnesota's always been an innovative state, as you well know. I mean, listening to you talk about what the potential is, that's a very Minnesota value. Talking about how do we solar power our cars? Man, that's, we don't deny science. We don't deny climate change. We don't worry about that. We say, okay, climate change real, so let's fix it. And, and let's do something about it. And not only that, there's jobs out there. Lots of jobs. And speaking of jobs, here's one where you and I sit, and this is another reason I endorsed you. Cannabis. What yeah. in the heck is wrong with Republicans? They're supposed to be the party of business. That's what they like to portray. We're the party of business. Small government, except when it comes to your bedroom. And yeah, exactly. And 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 here we have a business, the cannabis industry, that is flourishing today. It's one of the few businesses that's actually growing. It's yeah. getting bigger. It's getting. I was happy to see that cannabis has passed tobacco now for use in America. Yeah. And and the point is, here in Minnesota, we have the Republicans who are allowing, we're standing on the dock, and we're seeing the ship leave the harbor. Correct. Because the Republicans will not legalize cannabis to the level of other places have already done and what the federal government needs to do. Prohibition doesn't work. Um, we know that we can we can manage this. We need to know what's in it. We can make sure it's safe. And and you and I, Jesse, got I got on this early when I helped pass some legislation around the VA on medicinal cannabis. Jesus, we were prescribing opioids left and right when our veterans were telling us, "Hey, cannabis is giving me the relief." But if I get caught with it, we had veterans lose their veterans benefits because they went across state lines to get cannabis because they couldn't get it in their own state. It's ludicrous. We criminalized veterans. For pain relief, just like we're criminalizing folks for using an adult use drug. It 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 is ludicrous. It's it's about control over people's decisions. Well, Governor, I'm gonna enlighten you as to something that you I want you to know and I want all the voters to know, and I have permission to do it. Uh cannabis saved my life. Not mine personally, the first ladies. I will reveal, you know, which I have already that. A few years back, she developed late-in-life seizure disorder. And the first lady was of Minnesota, my wife, Terry, was seizing two to three times a week. And we were helpless. And if you've ever dealt with seizures, you can't do a thing. You just comfort the person, make sure they're not swallowing their tongue, that they're breathing, whatever. 
out of desperation, we drove to Colorado. She actually had a seizure in the motel the night before. We got to Colorado. Our friends went in, and I'll state it, they illegally got it for us because we weren't from Colorado. I can tell you, Governor Tim Waltz, that from that day forward, my wife has not had a seizure again. That's great. And let me add this in. The medical doctors here in Minnesota put her on four separate seizure medicines, one after the other, after the other, after the other. None of them worked. They all had horrible side effects. Cannabis stopped the seizures completely. And But here's the sticker. I then had to get it illegally here in Minnesota. Ridiculous. I, I then, it was 600 bucks a month. Yeah, to get it here because we're so restrictive. If I lived in Colorado, I could get it for less than $100 a month. Yeah, But Minnesota cost me $600. Insurance won't pay for it. Nothing. It's right out of your pocket. I looked at my wife. You almost lost me as an endorsement and a voter because I looked at my wife and said, let's move to Colorado. This is almost a mortgage. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. And look, it, you had the capacity to do it. How many people out there don't? And you shouldn't have to go through this. Exactly. And that's why I'm on board. I don't want to see any other family have to go through what I went through to get cannabis for medical purposes to help save your life. You know, a positive on this too, Jesse, is that our indigenous tribes, they want to be the growers for this creating jobs for them, growing in traditional ways. And, uh, you know, they don't want this to come in from outside. And I think we should be buying from them for our medicinal program. And if if there's money to be made here, it's their land. We're all on Lakota, you know, Anishinaabe land. Let them grow it. Let, let them grow it. And then the profits that can be made. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's shameful that Minnesota, we like to pride ourselves on leading the country which we normally do. But in the issue of cannabis, we're falling woefully behind because of who? The Republicans. If you would have done it, you would have made us one of the first five states when you wanted to do it. Now here we said at the end, 20 years later. Well, you know what I've told people, Tim, you need to understand this. As an independent, you can take a 20-year vision. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to look election to election. You can actually look out in front and say, okay, that's what I did with light rail. I looked at that and said, we have no mass transit in this state whatsoever. It's time I put the first link in of mass transit because how can you compete as a metropolitan area if you don't have mass transit? With projected growth. You're absolutely right. And I do think that's right because if you remember when you were talking cannabis legalization, it wasn't just Republicans at that time. It was Democrats. They've, you know, we brought them along now. Um, to get yep. there, too. but it's exactly right. It's in the Senate. It's the only thing holding it up. Yep. Well, Tim, let's see here. We're, we're, we're getting on good on this. Give me a, give me your spiel now. Why should the people of Minnesota reelect Tim Waltz governor? Well, they've seen steady leadership in some pretty unsteady times. They know that we depend on science. Uh, we listen to folks. We put Minnesota in a good spot. I appreciate you mentioning about COVID. We are, we're one of the 10 states with the lowest death rates. We also have one of the fastest growing economies, lowest unemployment, fifth highest new job startups. Um, we're ready to invest in in education, new ways of delivering that for each student, and then doing things like our angel tax credit to entice people to come back. Your talk about solar panels, Minnesota is now home. Last year, we were able to start this. We have the largest solar manufacturing panels in North America. 
up in northern Minnesota now. Really? And that innovation, the money we put into the University of Minnesota for that to keep us moving. We want to be the leader throughout the Midwest on clean energy. I signed an executive order on hydrogen hubs using the federal money to use clean hydrogen. We can reduce our carbon emissions um, producing fertilizer for our farms by about 60% in the agricultural industry just by moving to these hydrogen hubs, the leftovers. So I would make the case to Minnesotans, we've got challenges around public safety, as you said, got to get more cops out there to do the work, but we also got to make sure we're getting guns off the streets. We do those things. Minnesota's better positioned than almost any state. You know, it's funny you mentioned that word gun right now, because this morning there was another mass shooting in St. Louis. And I, I want to go on the record and get my opinion out there. I've always been an advocate and a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. And I still am. But I have a new version in my mind of what the Second Amendment should be. And I'm going to fire it out to you, Governor, and see what you think about it. I'm for everybody having the legal rights if you are qualified to own a firearm. Yeah. Absolutely. But here's my new thing. You can own whatever you want on your own private property. If you want to sit on the front step like Trump and take pictures and pretend you're Rambo, and all that stuff, you're happy to do so. You can sit there and do that on your own private property. But here's my change to the Second Amendment. I think today, anyone who takes a weapon off private property into the public domain must be licensed and registered to do so. Yeah, I we've asked on this thing about why is it so hard to do that? I know people make the suggestion around cars. You have to buy, you know, you have to have your car, you got insurance on it and things. And I agree with you. I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I hunt. Um, I've also handled these weapons of war, which you have, obviously. Yep. And the idea that an 18-year-old could buy that with really no background check or no input on a red flag law because they're unstable is simply ludicrous. And and I don't think that's an infringement on anybody's rights. I can still purchase the weapons that I want to purchase, but having the responsibility. And again, our children have the the constitutional right to live in peace and safety and to not be shot in their schools. And like I said, it's time we stop the guns going on the street unless you're registered to carry them. You have to be licensed. Private property, fine. Have whatever the hell you want on your own property. But if you leave your property, you must be registered and licensed to do so. We're getting now, you know, just an example here, Jesse, we had that awful shooting at the truck park restaurant in St. Paul. Um, two of the weapons that showed up there in that shooting, they were part of 90 weapons purchased by one person in less than a month. Really? One person went in and purchased 90 weapons. And lo and behold, guess what? It appears like maybe they're reselling them to people who shouldn't have them. My question there would be real simple. What in the hell would one person need 90 weapons for? Right. And then there's folks that tell us it's none of our business. Yeah. 90 weapons. And you can, let's see, the last time I checked, my toes don't work. I can only shoot two at a time. If I hold one in each hand, and I'm not going to be very accurate. One month. <laughs> now now add the internet and these ghost guns, buying oh. these parts, add a bump stop or a sear pin. Now, all of a sudden, you know, j just to be clear, j when you were when you were governor and if we'd have a shooting, the average number of bullets you'd find is between five and seven. Now, at these shootings, we find over 50 at every single shooting, which just tells me high capacity magazines, high volume of shots. These folks are spraying these. And you like I said, you fired these weapons of war. If you don't know what you're doing, this is how children are hit with stray bullets. 
Um, the idea, I'm with you on this, that there needs to be very stiff penalties if you have one of these weapons uh, illegally. It's insanity. There, I'm all for you know. Pe you know, people have asked me because I own an AR-15, and people have asked me, well, why do you own an AR-15? And I think I give them a legitimate answer. I said, well, it's the weapon I carried and the weapon yeah. I'm most comfortable with. Why yes. would I buy one that I'm not comfortable with? Yeah, I think this idea of that of of a, of a legal gun owner being able to purchase it at a legal age, doing a background check. Um, you know, and these red flag laws, I just have to tell you, you know, it's still, even when crimes are up, gun crimes are up, you know, this to be true. 60% of gun deaths are suicides. And, yep. you know, if you have a family member going through a mental health crisis or, or going through addiction, the idea that you would love them and be able to use the courts to legally take those guns for a short period of time until they get the help. They do this in Florida, for God's sakes. I put forward the exact bill that passed in Florida with a Republican Senate, a Republican House, and a Republican governor. I couldn't even get a hearing on it here in Minnesota. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Well, you know what? That that actually makes me feel good, Governor. Yeah. No, no, because it, we're, we're comrades in arms, because there yeah. were two or three major things that I wanted to do that I couldn't get anyone to carry the bill on either. Like when I was attempting to pay for the new Viking Stadium using sports betting. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember I brought in law enforcement and I said, they tell me sports betting's a $2 billion a year industry in Minnesota. This was back in zero, zero or whenever I tried to do it. Law enforcement looked at me, governor. They said, governor, we think you're light. It's closer to three, three billion. I said, well, if we if we legalize it and we become the bookie and we get 10%, $300 million a year off $3 billion, we could build the new Viking Stadium in four years and have it completely paid for and the money's going to still keep coming. I couldn't get one legislator to even think about that bill. Well, what they eventually did is they took your advice, though they used the electronic pull tabs. So they did that and, you know, but sports booting is, you know, it's it's legal in Iowa. I think, you know, the one thing you and I think agree on this is I'm a bit libertarian on this regard. I trust adults to make their own decisions. I trust women to make their own health care decisions. Yep. I trust you to make your decision around cannabis. If you want to bet, you know, do so and do so reasonably. I, I don't find the need that you don't need a governor to tell you how to monitor your life. You simply need us to do the things we do. Wow. Tim, I'm blinking my eyes going, this is a Democrat talking to me? I got elected in Southern Minnesota. But let me state this. I've always viewed you, and this is one of the major reasons I had no problem endorsing you. I've always viewed you. I think the Democrats needed you more than you. Well, I think you needed them more yeah. than they needed you. Yeah. Because if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You never got the Democratic endorsement at the convention. I you did not. won it. You won it at the primary. That's right. So you were an outlaw to begin with. You weren't their first choice. <laughs> no. So that showed me that you very easily have an independent streak in you. That, well, I appreciate that, you saying that, that. No, that you are Tim Waltz first and you're a Democrat second. Which is, which is one of the reasons I endorsed you and why I still will support you today, because I believe that in you, that you are Tim Waltz first, and you're a Democrat second, and you're going to do what you think is right first, before any type of party pressure I appreciate that you would that, give Governor. in to. And I, and I truly believe that, because I think you would have ran as an independent if you could have, 
but you couldn't have because unfortunate for you, you didn't have the name recognition I had. Yeah. That gave me the, the ability to run against both political parties because I was an entity that was big enough to do that. But you didn't have that ability because of, you're a teacher, you yeah. know, and, and not that that's even more honorable, but not that. that but not that, lucrative. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not it doesn't make you famous usually. No. And, right. and so uh, you didn't have that ability when you ran. So therefore, you needed to run as a Democrat in which to win. And right. I understand that. But I still view you, Tim Waltz, as an independent Deep well, down, when everything scraped away, I still think you'd have been with me in the Independence Party if it was 25 years ago. You know what my tagline was when I ran for Congress? What? An independent leader for Southern Minnesota. There <laughs> you go. Tagline. So, uh, we took from you guys. Could you say? Well, Governor, I appreciate all you know, you've done. You're, I appreciate that you're still in the arena um, making well, the case. And I think you shouldn't underestimate what your voice means. I have to say... Uh, Knowing my opponent has Donald Trump's endorsement and I have yours, I'm pretty comfortable today. Yeah, I'll just throw this out. If Trump runs in 2024, I would love to face off with him. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, have, I have threatened to resign from the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame because of the fact he's in it. Donald Trump is in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame because he's buddies with Vince McMahon and... He, he provided two buildings for us, I think WrestleMania 5 and 6, and he did a little angle one time with Vince on TV. And he's in the Hall of Fame with me. I spent 15 years in that ring traveling throughout the country. And at one point, Governor, just so you understand, I wrestled 63 consecutive nights in a row <laughs> without a day off. Hey, can and I ask, who was your favorite? Can I ask that? To wrestle? I've, yeah. I've always advocated if I had one opponent, one person to choose to wrestle on a daily basis, day in, day out, or whatever, without a doubt, it would be Tito Santana. Oh, my yes. Well, I'm glad. I hope we're making more news here. <laughs> the idea that the former president's in there with you is is pretty... Uh, pretty well, I'm offended over it. I spent blood, sweat, and tears in my entire adult life. And, you know, you could say wrestling's a show, Governor, but if somebody misses a move, you can get killed in there. Look what you built. Look you know? what the early guys built. Look what the 80s built for today. I mean, yeah. the multi-billion and, dollar. And, and I'm offended that my blood, sweat, and tears and... Donald Trump doesn't know what it's like to travel 300 miles and get paid 25 bucks to wrestle. I yeah. do. In a high school gym in Des Moines. Yes. Donald Trump. And he's in the hall of fame with me. Excuse my bluntness. Bullshit. Given those <laughs> people, the show, given everything you got on a Tuesday night after doing that traveling, because those people came and paid hard money to see you. Yeah, exactly. And, and you gotta, you gotta put out day in and, day, and for him to be in the hall of fame. Uh, like I said, the only thing that stopped me is that I've had fans say, please don't. Yeah, you got to stay in there. You know, I've had fans say, please, for us, stay in there. And yeah. I, well, you know, so I shine on that way. But anyway, Tim, we're drawn to it. What, anything you'd like to close with? This is your time here on Substack. It's your floor. Take it. Well, it's a pretty easy choice. You know, this isn't even necessarily policy stuff. You and I have talked about this. This year's election is a choice between democracy and not. 
This year is about women's autonomy and bodily choices versus not. This is about truly valuing our public schools or not. And this is about addressing things like climate change that are real. So uh, those folks out there, and I think probably speaking to your folks who have, you had their heart, um, this is where the independents kind of come in of saying, you know, this is this is the real stuff this time. This is the this is the democracy on the line. And now is the time to uh to step up. So I only thing I would ask is and hope that that folks come out and vote. They might not agree with me hundred percent of the time, but I hope, like you said, I made decisions based in their best interest around public safety. And I think Minnesota's results are well positioned. So I, I appreciate this time with you. Uh, truly grateful for the endorsement. I know when a person, when you endorse somebody, you're putting yourself out there. Um, I'll work hard. I'll, I'll make sure I continue to earn that. And I think we're going to get this thing done. I know you will. That's and again, you have my complete endorsement. Like I said, I right now, I will never, I'll state this publicly. I will not support a Republican until they apologize for what they did on January 6th yep. when they carried a Confederate flag through my capital. Yep. And, and they haven't apologized for it. They don't even acknowledge it. Jesse, I don't know if you know this. They had a rally here on January 6th, too, at the Minnesota Capitol. And there were legislators on stage with speakers. And the last speaker said, we're going to march to the governor's residence and there may be casualties. The only person here was my 14-year-old son with his dog. He was rushed out by the state patrol to another location because they feared that these people were coming. Because they said from the stage they were coming to the governor's residence, there would be casualties. I've not received a single apology from those Republican legislators who stood on that stage. My son was terrified. Um, that's who they are. You know, all I can say is I hope everybody out there that thinks to vote Republican looks in the mirror before they do it. And we'll end on that, Tim. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you, Governor. All right. Bye-bye.